listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I am Andrew Berkshire from SDPN's Game Over Shows and Game Over Montreal in particular. And I'm here with my amazing co-host, Mary Clark from For the Win. We have a great show for you today because, you know, the conference finals are starting to wrap up. We're almost at the Stanley Cup final. It's an exciting time. But before we get into that, of course, the Boston Bruins let go of Bruce Cassidy in, let's put it mildly, a controversial manner. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche send home the Edmonton Oilers in a sweep. I don't think any of us thought it would be that quick, but Colorado, dangerous. 12-2 and two so far in the playoffs. And after we do that, we will talk about the last series remaining, the Lightning and the Rangers. Game 5 goes before you will hear this podcast mm-hmm. or, and after we record it. So we will try to give our best guesses about what will happen in Game 5. And then afterwards, we're going to do our pop culture roulette segment where we talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi and first impressions of the new Miss Marvel show. But before we get into all that, Mary, how's your week going? Good. Uh, it's a busy, uh, busy week so far, just in terms of like a bunch of sports happening. But uh, when you guys hear this, it'll be my birthday tomorrow. <gasps> well, Happy birthday, Mary. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to a nice weekend of, you know, hanging out. I've got some family coming over for dinner on Friday night. So that'll be nice. I'll be hanging with my friends, too. So that'll be fun. So just, yeah, I'm looking forward to a nice birthday weekend, basically. Uh, but overall, I'm good. Just busy. Just, you know, there's lots of sports happening between, you know, hockey, the NBA finals, uh, baseball, because, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies somehow have turned it around and have won like five or six straight or something like that. So like, hey. it is it is there is just a lot happening, but it's but it's all good. It's all good things. Uh, so I cannot complain whatsoever because we've gotten good hockey, though. I will take it up with the Oilers because, come on, we deserved a longer series than that, guys. Yeah, yeah. And we will talk about the Oilers and and all that. But first, we got to talk about Bruce Cassidy. Uh, this is a shocking development yeah. here because not only are the Boston Bruins a team that should be considered to be at like the end of their cup contending window, they are a team that absolutely dominated in the regular season. Like they didn't really get the win totals that you would expect from a team with, with how well they played. But I think that came down more to two relatively inexperienced goaltenders taking over from Tuka Rask, who has been their long-term starter more than like anything Bruce Cassidy did. And the weirdest part of all of this, Mary, is it's come to light today that Bruce Cassidy during his exit interviews was told by the Boston Bruins that he would be back next year. That he would oh, coach wow. the remaining year of his contract. That. Yeah, it's going around. Wow. And there have been a lot of people who are like, well, you know, that's, that happens all the time with coaches where, you know, you get that vote of confidence and then you get fired. Yeah, it does in season, right? Mm-hmm. Where things can change, where, you know, you want to give your coach a yeah. vote of confidence, but then they lose seven in a row and then maybe you make a change. There's nothing that has changed for the Boston Bruins from two weeks ago to now. And that makes this whole situation super sketch. So what are your initial thoughts on it, Mary? Uh, I mean, I think I was surprised, like like everybody was. Like this, this came out of nowhere. We thought Barry Trotz was going to be, I think, the biggest shocker of a coach fired because, you know, the Islanders had a bad season, sure, but it makes sense as to why they had a bad season. It doesn't make sense as to why the Islanders fired Barry Trotz um, 
because it's just it felt like a one-off year and you know we talked about the Bruins being on like the tail end of their window um, but that happens to teams that happens to teams who are contenders but I think Bruce Cassidy did so much with this roster like considering you know the things like the you know the players they've missed over the years in terms of just like the players that have you know pass them by like you know Zidane Chara is no longer on the team I mean he is what 40 some years old now so he's not David nearly Krejci. yeah David Krejci that's right uh so like there are there's been holes in this Bruins team and we've seen this coming for a while but it just it, it feels so weird like I I cannot understand the like the impetus behind this move because like I get it the Bruins are facing down probably I mean, we don't know if Patrice Bergeron is coming back. Um, that's a huge thing that could, you know, change the fate of this Bruins team. We we talked about it before when we mentioned, I think, the Selkie, uh, because, you know, he won it again. And, yep. you know, he's an incredible player and, you know, absolutely just a phenomenal player that that changed Boston for the better. But I just I I can't understand this move from Boston because, sure, they aren't going to be. A contender next year most likely in terms of like that it's a tough division the east is full of powerhouses um even though there are ones like boston like the penguins who are you know on the tail end of their competitive window that things are going to change for them but this just i don't know this is just such a reactionary move to something that i don't think has happened yet like you never know like you know bergeron could come back um i know brad marchand is you know had gotten surgery and you know might not be the brad marchand that we know but like you could possibly like if you're the bruins you could possibly like i don't know add in free agency and you know try and fill holes that way like there was still an avenue for boston to you know be competitive and make a playoff spot i don't know if the stanley cup could have been you know their peak but this just feels so premature for me um especially because cassie did really well with that team and it just it, it, it came out of left field for me and probably for a lot of people. It just didn't feel like Cassidy was the problem here. The The biggest problem the Bruins face is mostly their roster construction. I don't think there was anything wrong with what Cassidy did in terms of like his playmaking style and whatnot, like his, you know, coaching style. It just, I don't know. It just feels so premature to me. I could have seen, I could have seen this like a year from now, like depending on where Boston ends up a year from now, but not now. It just felt, felt too premature for me. Yeah, it, it's a really strange one to understand. I mean, I'm looking now at basically every single season for every team since Cassidy got hired as head coach, like full season. Yeah. And there have been 156 teams that have had a season over that uh, period, according mm -hmm. to Evolving Hockey. Uh, of those 156 teams, Cassidy's Bruins this year, this is over a five-year stretch, th this year. They were the second best even strength team. Oh, wow. Yeah. The only team better than them was Colorado Avalanche last year. And I mean, they were also a juggernaut, even though they got bounced in the playoffs. They were, you know, they went to seven. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're it's basically team. the same. It's basically it was basically the same Colorado team that is here this year that is making waves. So like, yeah, yeah. I and mean, like Cassidy's Bruins in the five years that he's been there have finished second. 12th, 29th, 33rd, and 39th in Jeez. terms of overall even strength play mm -hmm. in the league 
out of all the teams in the league. So like, yeah, I mean, that that's is like, like divide that by five essentially, and you're. I was gonna say, you know, what is thirty nine divided by five? Less than seven. So like, they're at the very least, or like just over seven. So it's their worst finish was being around the seventh best team in the league in a given year. That, and you're gonna you, fire that guy? Yeah, and like it, it's the same thing with Barry Trotz. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. I'm not sure like where, like what the reasoning was. I get maybe wanting new voices in the locker room, but, but like usually you do that once the play dips, right? Yes, yes, and like exactly. they lost Krejci this year, and for I know a lot of people will probably look at David Krejci's stats and say like, oh, he only scored eight goals last year. How good could he be? Mm-hmm. His last season, which granted, I know he was 35 was a, on pace for 71 points in an 82-game season. Like, that is a damn good player, and he was good defensively, too. He was an all-around very good player, and they lost him, replaced him with Eric Halla, mm-hmm. and they did fine. Like, the way that they've been able to plug holes, you lose Zidane mm-hmm. Chara, and you're like, well, it's okay. We developed Charlie McAvoy, and we're going to yeah. fill him with, like, a bunch of random plugs, and we're going to figure out a system of that. Like, Bruce Cassidy had an advantage in taking over for Claude Julien, and a lot of the system things didn't really change that much. But he squeaked way more offense out of it than Julian did. He is a very, very good coach, in my opinion. And not only like firing him at all would be very confusing, mm-hmm. but the way they did it, having experienced something similar, uh, the I won't go into too detail, too much detail on. It is just such a gross move to do that to somebody when there's no real change that could have happened in between then. The only thing that I can think of from Boston's perspective is they're looking at Bergeron leaving. They're looking at Marshawn with two hip surgeries. He's probably going to come back sometime in 2023. He might never be the same. Yeah. And they're looking at, I think Charlie McAvoy is out until 2023 as well. And they're looking at Connor Bedard and they're Mm. thinking that there's no way (laughs) that Cassidy will let them be bad enough for that. So maybe they fire him and replace him with somebody who is, less adept at squeezing blood from a stone and they tank for one year or they start to rebuild like but that's such uh, a that's such a you're gambling on i mean you're gambling like big time big time but sweeney did say i thought it was kind of interesting that he talked about the colorado avalanche in their like final post game or uh end of year press conference mm -hmm. he talked about how the colorado avalanche went 21 years between stanley cup final appearances and he was like, we need to be prepared for that here to rebuild. And I was like, you're talking about a 21-year plan. Most GMs are like, you know, a five-year plan. Sweeney's mm-hmm. out here 21 years. 21 years. And I guess it's, it's 21 from, I guess it's 21 years from 2018. So you can add like four years, take four years off that. But that's still, he's like, 17 years from now. Trust me, Boston will be good again. Yeah. That's a whole generation, man. <laughs> it's wild. What I was going to say is that those comments now make me believe that they're not going to do it, but they're, if you know, they dropped Bruce Cassidy and somehow picked up Barry Trotz, Mm. like that would be like, that's the only way I could see, you know, Boston maintaining that level, but it doesn't seem like they want to. I mean, what you said makes sense about the wanting to go after Connor Bedard, but it's, it's a gamble. It's a huge gamble. Only one team can win that top spot. Only one team can. And there's going to be a lot of teams in the running for that. I don't know if we're going to see, you know, Buffalo Sabres levels of tanking this year because I think the NHL is trying to dissuade teams from doing that. But I don't know. It's such it's just such a big gamble on. I don't know. It's, it's such a big gamble for a team that could have at least tried to get into the playoffs next year. Like, I think 
they would have been able to like I know that there were a lot of bleak things about this team, but you know, I, I still think that the overall like team core and you know Cassidy overall as a coach could have gotten them there if they made smart moves this summer. Probably as a bubble team, but still, like, and you never know. There's always like a bubble team that makes a run to the playoffs, but I don't know. Everything's a gamble, and I just I I don't know. This it, it to be fair, if you are going to you know gamble and try for a first overall pick, this upcoming year would, would be the year to do it because you know Connor Bedard is basically, um, you know, the next big Connor. Yeah, the next big McDavid. Uh, you know, Matthews. Crosby, one of those types of players. Yeah, a potential generational player, right? So and if that's... you were going to do it, this would be the year to do it. I just, it, it felt like the, this Bruins team had more to give, basically, and they're kind of just throwing it away on a whim and a prayer, basically. But I will say, this now makes the coaching market that much more exciting. I think the coaching market oh, yeah. will honestly be more exciting than the free agent market this summer. Like I've already seen a few tweets from Flyers Twitter reaching out to uh, Cassidy through... Through through social media to please, please come to <laughs> Philadelphia. It's not that far from Boston. No, I mean, there's, you know, you've got Barry Trotz, Bruce Casty, Jim Montgomery, Pete DeBoer, um, uh, John Tortorella. Uh, there, there's so many coaches in this market. Um, and what, there's like, I think, six teams or something like that that have openings, at least right now. Um, yeah. there could there could be more. You We never know. I mean, the we didn't think, you know, the Bruins were going to fire Cassidy uh when they did no. and they did and even crazier than that did you see that that uh, the Bruins have kind of internally talked about trading Pasternak wait really yeah because his con- his next contract's coming up right and it's gonna uh-huh. be like what's he gonna make 13 million a year he's fantastic and if they're rebuilding it just it this is this is one of those moments where we'll look back in five years or whatever, and either this is the worst thing the Bruins did or the best thing the Bruins did. I can you only know what's see really two, funny though. I can only see two ways this goes. It's either really good or really bad for the Bruins. Yes, but you know what's extremely funny? If if they do go down this route, say they lose Bergeron in the offseason to either retirement or he goes somewhere else, Marshawn never is the same because let's face it, he's going to be thirty four next year, and double hip surgery—that's a lot to deal with. Mm-hmm. McAvoy is still going to be McAvoy, but David Posternock gets traded. Taylor Hall. Oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> just no. signed with a contender. Oh, Taylor Hall. <laughs> Once oh, again. Although <laughs> I will say, if you're going to tank, having Taylor Hall on your team is a good luck charm. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, the signs are all pointing in the Bruins' direction, if I'm being honest. You know, we, we all believe in the Taylor Hall. Uh, not curse, but you know, good luck charm, as it were. So, I don't know. Like I said, though, this this is going to be, I think, the moment we're going to look back on with this Bruins team in hindsight and be like, this is either the best thing the Bruins did getting out from, like, it, it's very possible that the Bruins are recognizing here some sort of like, like they they know it's over. They're not like they're not going down with the ship. They're not, you know, the violin players on the Titanic. They are cutting their losses, even though it seems like they're cutting off like a part of a team that like could still could have done it, but it's very possible that this could be a turning point for the Bruins. It's just so hard to see that because we can't see the future. We, we have no idea what this is going to do for this Bruins team, but it could also be really bad. Like, you know, I I get that they have, you know, injury stuff and whatnot, and then they might not get Bergeron back, 
But, you know, if they cut off, you know, some of these players, if they somehow trade Pasternak or whatever, and he's an incredible player on another team and, you know, that they could be looking at what they had and being like, we shouldn't have made this move. But we're I don't think we're going to we're not going to know how good this is, I think, for a handful of years. Like it just it this just feels like such a monumental shift in the Bruins like mentality in terms of how they want to build a team. We're just not going to know, I don't think. And. Part of that is exciting because, you know, you don't often see NHL teams do stuff like this. But, like, the other part, it's like, Boston, what are you doing? What are you doing, sweetie? Like, what are you, what are you doing here? So, I don't know. That's that's at least my take on it. But, man, the coaching um, carousel is going to be fun this offseason. And I know the Flyers are going to mess it up because they always do. And uh, I had seen something today that, you know, I think it was from Frank Saravelli that, John Tortorella is probably in the Flyers' uh, second round of interviews. Not surprising yeah. in the least, Andrew. Not surprising in the least. I, I wonder, though, now that Cassidy's available, if you're just like, and the first round begins again. <laughs> if you don't, I Maybe, feel like you're yeah. not doing your due diligence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's Yeah, it's going to be – there's going to be a lot of movement this summer. It's, it's going to be a fun summer. I mean – yeah, it's going to be a really fun summer, and there is potential for some chaotic movement, I think, out there between you know free agency and the coaching carousel. So. Yeah, 100%. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers and their failure to extend what should have been a classic series against the Colorado Avalanche. But before we do that, we got to talk to you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including... This year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. We have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so that we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thank you for your help. All right, Mary. So I think we both expected this to be a better series between mm -hmm. the Oilers and the Avalanche. And like, to be fair, on the ice, while the games were on, it was a great series. Mm -hmm. Like, it was fantastic hockey to watch and to experience. But obviously, the Oilers could not squeak out a single win, you know, partially due to Mike Smith, partially due to the Colorado Islands just being so good. Mm -hmm. But overall, bit like the, the Battle of Alberta here in that uh, we were shortchanged. Yeah, we were. And you're right. The, the the games as you were watching them were fun. That game four was awesome. It really it was. was. The, like, lead changes, the back and forth, the, like, Oilers tying it up, like, you know, at the very ends, like, you know, to send it to overtime. Like, I, I know that it was a very quick overtime, all things considered and whatnot. But, like, yeah, like, the, the games were fun. And, you know, Mike Smith is the chaotic agent we all need in our lives because you know with him on the ice you don't know whether you're going to get an incredible save 
or an incredible blunder. And, you know, that makes for some fun hockey as long as you are not a fan of the Oilers. Like, for the rest of us, like, it is great hockey. But if you're a fan of the Oilers, you were probably on edge the entire time this series was happening. Like, nothing, no lead ever felt safe for you with Mike Smith and that. And I get it. Um, but, yeah, it just it, – it, the series didn't live up to its potential. I, I wish the Oilers could have pulled out one or two games to, you know – like, even just one to, like, you know, extend the series, get it back to Colorado, you know, like, it, it yeah, the, the the lost potential we have seen uh, after the first round of these playoffs is, is you know, something else. And it's a shame, but I, I, I at least, like, am glad that the games were as fun as they were. It just, you know, yeah. we could have had up to three more. And that would have been really fun if we did, because now there's a hole in the schedule. Like, now we're at the point where there's only one series happening and it's like every other day. So like now I'm just, I'm just missing hockey, Andrew. I really am. It's just sad times. Yeah. I mean, I think from that perspective, in a way, I feel like the NHL should be happy because I would definitely prefer four games of this to seven games of Rangers hurricanes. <laughs> so it's like leaving you wanting more is not the worst feeling in the world. Right. It's just like when you have, when you go on vacation, right. You never want to go for so long that you're, wishing to be home yes you want to leave when you still want to be there mm -hmm. uh but yeah i i think that we were like this and the battle of alberta I, it just feels shortchanged. the second round and the third round now have just not had the drama that the first round has mm -hmm. and that's it, it kind of sucks that the nhl does kind of peak in terms of entertainment value in the first round mm -hmm. but maybe we'll have a great stanley cup final to make up for it i mean the drama for me is in the series that's still currently ongoing, but we're not talking yeah. about that. But at least for me, that's kind of where the drama is. Uh, but yeah, like we really have been missing, you know, we, we got it in game one of this series and then game one game of the Battle four. of Alberta and and also game four of this series. But like the, to me, the Battle of Alberta was more disappointing because the Flames just kind of laid down and died. <laughs> in that series in a way um it, it just didn't have the same it, i know it was not gonna have the same fire as game one of that series but it just didn't reach anywhere close to that at least yeah markstrom was series. just so bad that there was yeah. no way that calgary could squeak anything out at least for this series like it was it was more competitive in the like in the games themselves uh and that was partially because the goalies for a bit like you know, I mean, Darcy Kemper, like, was not having the greatest of times either. Like, I know he's, you know, facing down Mike Smith on the other end, but, you know, he wasn't having the best of times uh, either. So, you know, it, for for a little bit, the games were more exciting because when the goalies couldn't stop anything, it was just, it was, you know, madness. And, you know, you've got the Connor McDavid factor, the Leon Dreisaitl factor, McKinnon, McCarr, uh, you know, you name it. Like, it just, it felt like, like all of the stars were, you know, the stars were showing up, especially in game four. And it didn't feel like in the Battle of Alberta, the flame stars were showing up to match the Oilers. So, yeah. And that's, yeah. It's, it's a good question also, I think, to transition to the Oilers stars. And, mm -hmm. you know, you had it written in the doc here that uh, McDavid had three points and Dreisaitl had four points. And I was like, wait, in the whole series? That was game four. Mm -hmm. That was game four. So McDavid had seven points. Dreisaitl had six. And I think my takeaway from that is, when your superstar has seven points in four games, mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean you should win the series, but that has to be enough to win a game, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. If, you're, if your superstars are putting up that big of a performance and Dreisaitl, six points on one leg. Oh, yeah. Like he was just incredible in, these po in this postseason. So was McDavid. I think that 
the Oilers are kind of walking around smugly satisfied with themselves that they made the conference finals. And it kind of grosses me out a little bit because first of all, Evander Kane was an idiot and yeah. took himself out of the deciding game for no reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then you look at this roster and like still you're flying by the seat of your pants carried by these two superstars that you lucked into by being bad. You did nothing really to develop them because they didn't need to be developed. And you've got like, I think Jay Woodcroft is a good coach, but you've got Jesse Pugliarvi playing like fourth line minutes in favor of Josh Archibald and mm-hmm. Zach Cassian. It's like, you got to stop shooting yourselves in the feet here. Sure. And, and I will build say, something. I will say for the Oilers, the Hyman pickup was incredible. Oh, it was fantastic. For them. Yeah. Like, yes. I, I'll g- give them the win where they deserve it because that was really good. 100%. Same with, I mean, listen, on the ice, Evander, Evander Kane, Kane great yes. player. But that was mm-hmm. never the question around Kane. It yes. was never a question if he was a good player or not. And I did find, like, he had a little statement that he released today, which really seemed like a goodbye to Edmonton. Yeah. That he was like, thank you for all of my doubters. And it's like, dude, nobody doubted you for your hockey ability. <sighs> Shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, tired of this guy. We we dogpiled on that. And for good reason. The Oilers should not have picked him up. Yes. But on the ice, he was contributing to this team so i don't i don't want to give them the win for that but i will give them the win for uh zach hyman because that was a really good pickup but the big elephant in the room is mike smith mike smith has one more year on his contract and which he said he may not play that's true but like that decision to give him two years is mystifying to me it makes i mean i i get that he you know was integral to certain parts of the other season he had that really big run at the end of the year but I to to put your faith in a goalie that old and as volatile as Mike Smith is, like, don't get me wrong. I think I might be like a Mike Smith fan just based on the fact that his play on the ice creates incredible moments. So like he's I very entertaining. Yes, he's very entertaining, <laughs> but he is a volatile player because you never know what you're gonna get. And for the position of goaltender, that's not what you want. No. Um so it is it sure, it's a tradable contract. He might not play, he could you know, retire, get bought out. Like there's, there's options here for the Oilers. It's just, you know, it's something they have to like, they actually have to do because if they only had one year on his contract, you know, he'd become a free agent and just retire. The the problem wouldn't be in the Oilers hands. This is just another problem that they have to work with in terms of like figuring out their team for the future. But if they, you know, only give them a one year contract, it would be out of their hands. His contract would be over. He'd be a free agent. He could retire. He could do whatever he wanted. They didn't, they didn't need to make the move that they did. And I don't know. It's just to me, it signifies the process behind this Oilers team is, you know, majorly flawed. Yeah, majorly flawed, not very smart, uh, not making the right decisions to, you know, further this team. Like it was great they got to the conference final, but they could be so much more with a smarter back off, like front office. And like, I don't know. It is just, it's, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl to me deserved, still deserved better than this team. I mean, Dreisaitl, you said it, played on one foot, still had a really great series, a really great playoff overall. Like they both had over thirty points. Like, get these guys some more help, please. We can't, mm-hmm. we can't keep doing this. This was this year was a good start, but the process has to be better. One hundred percent. And I think the thing is, like you mentioned, having a smart front office. I don't even think you need to be top half of the league once you already have. Dreisaitl and McDavid everything else should be relatively easy in comparison to getting players of that stature once you have that you're just building around you're finding pieces that fit you're you're finding little inefficiencies in the market to bring in different guys every year kind of like Toronto does 
to fill spots. Edmonton, I will give them one mulligan. As dumb as the Smith contract is, because if he even if he retires, they're stuck with that two point two million dollar cap hit. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't move. They would probably be a much better team if Oscar Clefbaum was not dead to the world. Right. Oh, and yeah. they had an up like people forget about Oscar Clefbaum. He's a very, oh, yeah. <laughs> very good player. Has been mm-hmm. out since 2020 with a major shoulder injury. Uh, Holland issued an update on him back in like March, I think, that he's doing better like day to day for his day to day life, but he's probably never going to play again, yeah. which is awful because he's only 28. He's missed like his prime years already. Yeah. But like Edmonton, in order to function next year, the one thing that they need more than anything is for Duncan Keith to retire. <laughs> yep. Because not only is he not that good, like he's definitely a detrimental player on that team. If he retires, they get a huge cap circumvention, not penalty, bonus. Ooh, okay. All right. Yeah. So I think, I believe it's somewhere in the in the range of $7 million if he retires. You know what? You take that trade between, you know, like, you know, if, you know, Mike Smith retires and his two million or it's like two point two million or something like that is on the books. Uh, then you net five million with the with Duncan Keith retiring. You yeah, it's that not trade. bad. You yeah. can add a defenseman. You can do something with it. You know, you yeah. And I mean, the, the salary I don't cap trust is the going up to, by like by one um, million. By one million. <laughs> I mean, it's one million. It's it's a little. It, it every little bit helps, Andrew. I know. Yeah. I know. It's we one scoff rookie. at it. Yeah, but every little bit, every little bit helps, especially yeah. in this cap world. It's just, it's, they just have to be smarter. They, they, yeah, they it, do. It, yeah. But you know what, though? Yeah, I'm not confident because <laughs> when they had their, like, uh, end of season presser, uh, Ken Holland expressed that he was, like, not confident in Pulley Yarvey. Oh. I'm like, man, if you don't think the guy who changes your underlying stats from garbage to great is worth investing in it through his mid-20s, I look at Puyi in a similar vein to like Valerie Nikushkin, right? Mm-hmm. Who his scoring took a long time to actually translate to the NHL. But while he wasn't scoring, he was just an underlying numbers beast. Like mm-hmm. you had evolving hockey, the the, the twins there talking about uh, how he should have been nominated for Selkies and stuff. Puyi is in that mold, and they're like, oh, we don't know if you like him because he didn't score very much. Like man. If you could have somebody on your team that makes you not garbage while McDavid's off the ice or Drysaddle's off the ice, wherever you decide to put him, I, I think they're going to trade him for a, a terrible return in the offseason. And if they do that, they're just they're going to end up paying a premium to replace him for a player who's probably worse and older. Yeah. I mean, Ken Holland know? should not have a job. We've talked about this. It's just this is true. It's just a shame. What is what what that's the squandering away this this the incredible seasons we're seeing from McDavid and Drysaddle. I'm, I'm yep. glad that they got to the Western Conference Final, but they have changes to make. They really do, and they they need to be, you know, smarter and, you know, think about the type of team that they want to build and not just, you know, go for, you know, just bottom-tier guys. They need they, they need to continue to add, you know, the Zach Hymans and on the ice, Evander Canes. They need to find those type of players. And Sorry, my cat is... Staging a revolt. Noise. She's staging a revolt because she's hungry. So That's all right. It's all fine. Right. But we can we can end this segment. I've said all I needed to say about the Oilers. Yeah, we'll talk about the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers coming up in a minute. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? 
and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and the do-it-yourselfers get the same prices as the professional mechanics. They have everything you could possibly need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. So the Tampa Bay Lightning storm back in Tampa. They take control of this series, Mary, and it's now two to two, heading back to New York. Now I think to give New York the slight benefit of the doubt, they left Carolina in their last series down two. They went that series without winning a road game until game seven and then mm-hmm. came out in the clutch and took it home. So like they're used to not winning on the road. Yeah. But it doesn't look pretty. No. <laughs> so far. No, uh, it is. It, it really has been a tale of two cities for, for New York. And thankfully they have home ice, but, and obviously we, we talked about this before. We're talking about this before game five. We have no idea. If game five is tonight on Thursday when we're recording this. So, when you listen to this on Friday, you will know the score, but you know, we're coming into this not having any idea of what is going to happen. But I said it on Twitter, but to me it feels like the Lightning are gonna win this series. It feels like they're gonna win the next two games. The, the Lightning the Rangers had the chance to put you know, to to you know deliver the knock. Put them on the ropes. Punch. Yeah, put them on the ropes. Uh in well in game three. And they let the lightning back in. Um, and the lightning now have uh looked They've taken control of this series. They've taken the emotional control of the series and just overall look more like the Lightning were at least more accustomed to. Um, It just felt like the Rangers let them off the ropes, basically. Weren't able to, you know, you know, closing closing it out in Game 3. If they were able to, you know, hold the Lightning back, they would have had a 3-0 series lead. And we know how good the Lightning are. But to come back from a 3-0 series lead doesn't often happen. It, it, no, it, it doesn't. It is a, it's a special type of team that gets that done. And that's why you don't often see it because it's it's so hard to win four games in a row like that with your backs to the wall. Um, and yeah, I mean, to me, this is just, this is the Lightning Series now. I know that they're going back to New York um, and the Rangers will have, you know, the crowd behind them and stuff like that. And, you know, it's a, it's a best of three now. Like the series is even, but I've seen this look from the Lightning before. They're ready. They're ready to. They're ready to take control of this series and you know move on to the Stanley Cup final. But there is a path forward for the Rangers here. And I think it's for Igor Shostakin to you know center himself and you know if he can steal a game, there's potential here. But it's it's going to be a lot because the Lightning are going to throw I think everything they have at him. Yeah, you know what the difference is for me now that the series has gone a few games in or, or four <laughs> games in. The first couple games, Andre Vasilevsky was bad. He yeah. looked rusty. He was letting in goals he should not be letting in. The last two games, he's looked as good as Shesterkin has. Yeah. So the like the big thing for the Rangers, because so far in this series, in all situations, they've just been dummied. Like in terms mm-hmm. of scoring chances. Like scoring chances according to natural stat trick are 153 to 117. So that's fifty seven percent in favor of the lightning. High no danger chances. There. 
Yeah, high danger chance is 66 to 47. So that's 58%, 58.4% for the Lightning. Expected goals overall, 59% for the Lightning. And it's worse at even strength. So my question for the Rangers, without Ryan Strom, without Philip Heedle, or yeah. if they're playing, they're both injured. They're not 100%. Can you put enough pressure on Andre Vasilevsky for Igor Shosturkin to save you a game? And can you do that two more times? I just don't think so. Yeah, same. And, you know, I was singing the Rangers' praises however many episodes ago. And I, I, it's because I wanted to, you know, give them, like... Not the benefit of the doubt, but like, you know, put more respect. Props for name. making where they where they got to, right? Yeah, it, yeah. Because it felt like, you know, people were shortchanging them. And yes, and I am one of those people. I still don't believe in them. I think they're a huge that's paper tiger. Fine. But when you get to that point, you got to that point. People yeah. can't take it away from you. Even if you got there by a way that people don't see as legitimate or earned, who cares? Mm-hmm. You got to the conference final. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, they're at the conference final, and the, the series is at least going to go to six games. To be able to take the Lightning to six games with the way that they look. More than Florida did. Yeah, I know. More than Florida did, who was, on paper, the best offensive team in the NHL this year. Um, you know, that's nothing That's nothing to sneeze at here for the no. Rangers. It, it, it's a bit demoralizing and deflating that, like, there was a world out there in which you had the Lightning on the ropes. You, you, had, you had them, and... You had to make them chase you. And now it feels like you're chasing them even though the series is tied. That's how it feels. It feels like the Lightning are in total control of the... I mean, they were by the numbers in control of the series. But, you know, Vasilevsky wasn't playing up to the way that we expect him to. And the Rangers took a 2 nothing lead, headed into Tampa Bay. It could have been 3 nothing, but then, you know, the Lightning were able to turn it around. But it just... It feels like now the Rangers are chasing even though the series is tied. Because that's the way the Lightning play. Like, they are just dominant from you know, start to finish in games. And, you know, even if they aren't playing their best, like in like terms of like just their overall play, they've got Vasilevsky who most of the time is on his game. And, you know, the Rangers are able to get him off of his game in the first two games. And I don't know what it's going to take for them to, you know, get it back, but you know, they need to, you know, assert their dominance, you know, get a, like get shots on them. Like I, I believe that they led shots in game four, but you know, you know, you need to get those high danger chances. I know that it has been skewed against you this entire series, but, you know, you need to dig deep and find a way to do it because that's the only way you're going to beat Vasilevsky. And, you know, he looked off those first couple of games, but now he looks dialed back in. Nothing seems to phase him when he's in this, when he's in this type of mode. It just... Yeah, just good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, I Over mean... Over the last two games at even strength, the the Rangers have 11 high danger chances. Oh, God. And the Lightning yeah. have 14 in each game Jeez. yeah i mean that's not gonna do it 28 to 11 in tampa that i think that's the it big just, thing like mm-hmm. you ha- you're gonna have to win like i obviously tampa has to win one in new york but they only have to win one in new york because they're yeah, gonna win but, another in tampa yeah it 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 just is for for the rangers it feels like their magic is running out in a way like yeah and that happens it, to every cinderella team yeah eventually. it does it does and I still believe that, you know, the, the Rangers, you know, obviously had every right to be here. They beat some incredible teams en route to, you know, getting to this point. It just feels like it's not going to be enough because Tampa Bay has, we talked about, they're the final boss. They always find a way to win in situations that, you know, they shouldn't. And it is, they're a special team. And and we didn't, I, I mean, I don't know about you, Andrew, but I didn't think they were going to be able to level up this hard in these playoffs. I thought they were going to be tired, like you. I thought, like, 
I thought for them, like it just did playing so much hockey would would have just affected their bodies and you know it wouldn't have won out over their talent but they've just been what we're that witnessing so, it's yeah an incredible machine it just we're witnessing something truly special here with the lightning even if you know they don't win this series and they don't win the stanley cup we've just been witnessing something really awesome but it just feels as if the rangers are battling from behind here even though right now as we're speaking the series is tied yeah, for sure. All right, uh, we'll probably end it there, and then we'll go into our pop culture segment. But before we do, I got to tell you about Built Bar. Don't you love a chewy chocolatey brownie? What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top? So good. What if I told you that you can have all that chewy chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein? You're in luck because the caramel brownie bars are available at Built.com right now, and you got to act fast because they're a fan favorite. Forget about dessert. These are better than dessert. Plus, the macros are unreal. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. I would replace a regular brownie with Bilt's Caramel Brownie Bar in a heartbeat. The best part? Caramel Brownie Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Like for real. With Bilt, you don't have to sacrifice tasty for healthy. You can have both. And all of Bilt's bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. There are a million reasons that you should try Built Bars, but for now, just let's just say that Caramel Brownie will rock your world. That's not an understatement. With Built, tasty is the new healthy. Go to Built.com and get your box of Caramel Brownie Bars now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Kenobi, Mary, he <laughs> is back and... Yep. Another good episode from yeah. Disney Plus and Lucasfilm. I noticed in this this show, as things have started to come together, I don't know if you've noticed it yet, but each episode, because there's six parts, and they're mm. just called part one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. has echoed each episode of the first six episodes of Star Wars. You know, I was thinking that that would have been the case. I just didn't put a lot of thought into you know noticing the parallels but i did notice that they had named them you know parts one through six and i was like that feels purposeful and you know yep. it seems it seems like it uh especially with you know part four that we just watched so. yeah i mean part four was straight up an homage to a new hope mm -hmm. with obi-wan slinking around an imperial yeah. base mm -hmm. hiding behind pillars using the force to trick stormtroopers to go off in a different direction it was it's you know, there's a famous clip that goes around of like a behind the scenes with George Lucas talking about when he was making the prequels and him talking about like how like things rhyme in Star yep. Wars. And <laughs> it's always made fun of because I still think this to this day. I know there's been like a renaissance of people thinking the prequels are great. I still think the prequels are shitty movies that are <laughs> saved mostly by Dave Filoni's Clone Wars, fleshing out storylines that they just made no effort to develop characters in those three movies. But this rhymes in a way that I truly appreciate. Mm -hmm. It's referential, but not deferential and derivative. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know people talk a lot about how, you know, episode seven is, you know, differential and derivative of A New Hope to its, you know, detriment. And yes, I, I get it. I love that movie because it's fun to watch. And I would put it on in the background just as a fun watch because I enjoyed it. Sure, it is. It's not anything original, but. This feels like, you're right, it feels like just enough of an homage to, you know, 
you know, satisfy people, but at the same time, it's doing something with its story. Um, I think the performances have also been really great too. Yes, uh, they have. Actress, actress who plays Leia just continues to continues to be great. Uh, Reva, Re- is that her name, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. She also like the face she made when Leia tricks her and she like does the, like a little hand motion. I was like, oh, that is so relatable. Uh, it's just it was just you know that wonderful like facial expression of like i'm dealing with a child here that's right uh type of thing because you know it's not often i assume inquisitors uh you know interrogate children uh so yeah it is it i'm just been enjoying it overall i know it was a shorter episode uh we got to see more of obi-wan using his lightsaber and he's you know starting to get the get his force like feel the connection with the force again he was parrying Um, really well yeah parrying really i mean it was basic stuff but he did you know a little lightsaber twirl got you know you know held up held up a pane of glass for a bit like you know he's slowly getting the force back and you know it's been really great to see um just also the visuals like some of the shots in the show have just been really like especially in this one because of the color contrast between the like you know murky blues greens of the inquis like the exterior of the inquisitor's place with like the lightsaber's glow also that shot where the lights go out in the interrogation room and it's just like the red um like just the red of the interior like lights or whatever and you see those two stormtroopers and you're like oh i know what's coming obi-wan is about to you know unsheath his lightsaber and get him uh so like even though i knew it was coming it was still a really awesome like just visual thing so like i i really think that they continue to do well overall in terms of like just like the way things are choreographed and also just the the color composition too, which I know not often matters to people in terms of like, you know, your excitement, but I notice it like in stuff like that. Like I notice when shots are like really just well, well, like composed and stuff like that. You can feel it. Yeah. It just feels like it, it has another, like, I don't know, like it, it's all cohesive in a way Mm -hmm. that just, it makes it like a more cohesive experience. It's just a treat to watch too, just overall, just visually, visually great. And I've been really enjoying it so far. I'm excited to see what they do in the next two episodes, because you know, it is coming to a clash. Um, I don't know though, if you have anything to say about the reveal about what the inquisitors were hiding in their basement, uh, because I think I looked up an article right before we started recording because I just watched this uh, on my, on my lunch uh, today. Uh, So it's a bit fresh in my mind about the stuff that was in the, uh, the basement of the inquisitors. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously spoilers here, but uh, there was some dead Jedi down there. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen some. some Star Wars people speculating that they're like frozen in carbonite kind of thing and they can get melted. But I think that would be it's, it makes no sense. I think they're mm-hmm. definitely dead. They're just kind so, of like being shown off as trophies, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like in the it might have been the last episode of the one before they showed like the three Inquisitors in their like boardroom, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And there were like little lightsabers all around the edge of the room on the shelf Mm -hmm. and that was like very clearly trophies right like this is a place where they've killed jedi and they hold them hold their bodies and their lightsabers separately as trophies as like an homage to their accomplishments right uh it's almost like general grievous finally adding to his collection (laughs) but uh yeah it's it gives you like a creepy vibe of how like awful the empire is how far Anakin Skywalker has fallen. It's it's really good. I I really enjoy this series overall. I think the people who doubted it in the beginning are being proven to be just haters at this point. <laughs> like I'm really impressed with Deborah Chow's uh, story the whole way yeah. through. I don't think she's the writer, but she's the the showrunner. And I'm not sure exactly how much uh, 
like who influences what and all that. But I'm sure that the showrunner has a lot of influence on the story as well. This is the kind of story that I wanted to see, you know, a yeah. bit of uh, showing how bad things got for Kenobi and a little bit of redemption for him. The relationship between him and Leia is so, so good. Yeah. Like it, it's so endearing. And I saw like some Star Wars creators who were upset about the last episode when she asked if he was her father and he said he wished right. he was. And they're like, oh, he clearly has a thing for Padme. And it's like, no, no, no. It was to spare her the pain of who her real father is. Yeah. Right. Do people just That's... not have media literacy anymore? I know. Right. Like, can you not read between the lines that he. He wishes he could have saved Padme. He wishes he could have saved Anakin. Like, that's what's tearing him apart. Yes, it's, his, looking... it's his guilt. Exactly. Like, and PTSD. You know, like, he is yeah, a broken and his wish person. For, for Leia to have her family. Yeah. And, you know, her, her brother. Her brother. Like, 100%. It's, yeah, it's, it is. It's just people just don't have media literacy. Anyway. They don't. It's like, it's, it's really awful how bad some of the criticism is. Like, mm -hmm. not just in terms of like that it's like harsh criticism, it's that it's badly formed they don't understand what they're talking about i do about. say i i probably people one of the reason and i guess we'll move to the next thing in a second but the, probably the reason why people also don't like this because there's a lot of women in this show too i mean yes obi-wan surrounded by you know leia by what whatever the spy's name is tala 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 yeah uh her and obviously reva or so like yeah i mean it's just like at least the central characters obviously outside of darth vader's specter thing hey, like we like, can't let the girls into the club mary it'll no, ruin the can't. club we can't what are they speaking, gonna do speaking of girls i need to know how you found the first episode of miss marvel because i haven't been able to watch it yet but i've heard it is a unique it it's another one of those unique marvel things it's something that you know like they're filling in another niche basically in their portfolio as it were so yes uh it's very endearing okay like, good obviously i have no idea where it's going to go I know some people are upset with that they changed Kamala's powers a little bit. Uh, the, I'll wait until that's flushed out to see what they're doing with that because it's really, uh, you don't know really in the first episode what that comes from. But uh, it's it's really cute. It's I would describe it as like a mix of Into the Spider-Verse and Scott Pilgrim in terms of like its style. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Uh, you have to be paying attention because a lot of things happen in the background that like explain what's going on like it's mm -hmm. it's very much built through kamala's imagination okay, it opens yeah. up introducing the show through like a youtube video that she's making using her own drawings mm -hmm. it's really neat uh kamala is super charismatic her family is super fun it reminds me a little bit of um kim's convenience which is a show up here in canada mm -hmm. about like an immigrant family and like the relationship between her and her mom her and her dad there's one moment in it that I won't spoil what it is, but it's just like it like destroys your heart a, mm -hmm. a little bit just between her and her her parents. It's really interesting. I like what they're laying forward. I'm excited for the next episode. Awesome. Hopefully by the time we next speak, uh, you know, I will have watched the episode. I just ran out of time with all the stuff that I've got going on, but it, it was on my list and I've heard I've uh, seen people talking about it on Twitter that, you know, it's, it's really unique. And the into the spider verse, people were saying that too. It's very similar, I guess, in terms of its vibe. And I love mm -hmm. into the spider verse. I think it's probably my favorite Spider-Man property. Um, just overall, it's so good. If you haven't watched it, please do. It's incredible. Um, so yeah, that, that it gives me high hopes because, you know, it seems like a fun 
summer thing because like it's not it's not nearly as drab or dreary as obi-wan like it's 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 great i'm glad that these you know things can be, there's so much like different media properties and all of them can exist and you're like yeah if i'm feeling for some light and fluffy stuff i, I can go to this if i want you know deep character drama i can go to obi-wan so it's yeah glad that we have a lot of options right now and the weird thing about these two series coming out simultaneously i don't know if you saw this or if it was just restricted to canadians sharing this around but <laughs> Uh, Kamala Khan, the actress that plays her, Iman Vellani, went to the same high school as Hayden Christensen, huh, and they had cool. this—they had the same drama teacher. Huh. So that drama teacher has been bragging to all of his current students, like, "Oh, I've—I've I've trained Darth Vader and Miss Marvel," which I find <laughs> incredibly endearing. That's—that is really endearing and really cool. Small world, isn't it, Andrew? Small world. Very much is. All right, that's all we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL Show. Uh, thanks for making us your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear your latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.